Praise God. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to be moving around a little bit in Scripture today. And um, the Bible uh, is very clear about a number of things. And one of those is what I want to talk to you about today. And that is letting the Holy Spirit take charge of your life. Letting the Holy Spirit take charge. Uh, I know that many of us, we we feel as though there is a sense in which we kind of come together as Christians and we join together to accomplish something great for the kingdom of God. And maybe it is that we get sidetracked a bit, and I know that that tends to happen. Sometimes we get tired, we get weary. But the Bible tells us not to be weary in well-doing. But nonetheless, we do get weary. There are, there are times where we are uh, just weary of life. Things happen in a certain way. Maybe life tends to, to come against you a bit. And it's difficult. And so when we come together, it's more of uh, that, that sense in which we come together to, to hopefully encourage one another. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, hopefully to to band together and unite together. I was blessed as I was talking to Sister Rita yesterday. She said, you know, I'm really praying for our church. And I said, I I appreciate that. I'm grateful for that. She said, I'm praying that we would be in unity, that we would be united together. Now, as far as I know, she didn't know of anything where we're not in unity. But, you know, the devil does his best to come and to try to bring strife and division and she said, I'm just praying that we would all be one. And I, I said, I, that is a wonderful prayer to pray for our church. But you know, it's an interesting thing. The late, I'm going to read this quote to you, the late Prime Minister of England, Margaret Thatcher, uh, said these words, and it was recorded in the Saturday Evening Post, what she said. It said she said, ideally, when Christians meet, as Christians together to take counsel, their purpose is not or should not be to ascertain what is the mind of the majority, but what is the mind of the Holy Spirit, something which may be quite different. The majority sometimes has in its own mind what it is that should happen, But in the end, when it all comes down to it, the body of Christ is meant to come together to find out what is the mind of the Holy Spirit. We have too much of an emphasis on some fringe things in the church today and not enough emphasis upon the Holy Spirit being in our midst. Brothers and sisters, I couldn't care less if I preached a message. I couldn't care less if the worship service went the way that we had planned out. I couldn't really care less if when we come together, it all went according to the order that we had in mind. You know, the bottom line, brothers and sisters, is that we are here to find out what the Holy Spirit has for us. That it is my desire as a pastor that when we join together, that we are open to the Holy Spirit and His moving and what it is that He wants us to do and how it is that He wants us to be. I want you to know if God wants to come in and step in and steal what it is that we're doing, He is welcome to do that at any time. 
You know, it needs to be our desire for our own lives as believers as well. The Holy Spirit does not look for your approval or even the approval of the majority. But He will not go against your will either. You see, when we come together, I think it, it behooves all of us that when we join together, that we say, Lord, as a majority, we want you in this place. We want the Holy Spirit to come upon us in a mighty way and move in our hearts and our minds in such a way that we will walk out those doors different than what we came in. Aren't you just a little tired every now and then? from walking out the same as what you came in? Aren't you tired of just sort of being the same and having the same thing happen over and over again? I want you to know that I am. I'm just a little tired of it just all being the same. I want the Holy Spirit to take control. That doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to be bouncing off walls and swinging from our light fixtures. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that when we open up to the Holy Spirit, He can drill down into our soul and into our spirit and begin to change us from the inside out and do something powerful and mighty in our lives. We've got to say, Lord, you have your way. God is all wise, which I believe that is one of the biggest reasons that we should let him take charge and take control of our lives. He knows what is best for you. You might think, well, I know what's best for me. And maybe you have at least some kind of handle on it. But you know, the bottom line is that God is all-wise. That He is all-knowing. That He knows the end from the beginning. You can't see past this moment. You can't see into the future. You might have a plan for the afternoon, but that plan could could drastically change and, and be turned on end. And all of a sudden, what you had planned changes. God knows what's in the future. Therefore, we have to trust Him and believe that we can trust Him with our lives to take control of every area, of every part of our lives. So there are two things today, just two, that I want to point out to you that we've got to let the Holy Spirit rule over. And the first one is we've got to let the Holy Spirit rule over our desires. Galatians. Chapter 5. Let's go there. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 18. And we've got to let the Holy Spirit rule over our desires as it relates to the war against the flesh. Your flesh is constantly warring against you. Warring against your commitment to Christ. There is that within you that cries out, Satisfy me! Just fulfill self. And we, when the Holy Spirit takes control, it changes. Our mindset has to change. It has to be that which Paul said to the Ephesian church. He said, find out what pleases the Lord. You know, a lot of times it's difficult to find out what pleases God when all you want is to please you. When you're trying to please just you, then it's impossible to find out what pleases the Lord. But Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 down through 18. The Bible says this, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
Say, well, what, what are the desires of the sinful nature? We're gonna, you know what? We're going to read a little further down uh, than verse 18, and we're going to find out what those are. Verse 17 says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now, what are those acts of the sinful nature? Paul says it this way. Down through to verse 21, he says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, which as I understand in our current culture, is no longer a big deal. But God says it is. Impurity. And debauchery, debauchery is just a wild wildness, a wild partying kind of attitude and atmosphere. Idolatry. Idolatry in this current culture? Absolutely. The current culture worships itself. We we are living in a time of incredible self-worship. That man is all there is. You've got to find your own purpose. Well, you... You sort of have no choice now because they, have teach, they are teaching and have taught you that in evolution there really is no purpose. And if you evolve, then you just sort of have to make your own purpose because there is no higher being to give you a purpose. So just find out what it is for yourself. But idolatry is just the worship of something other than God. So when the current culture worships itself and worships its own purposes and its own plans then that is a form of idolatry. Let's move on. And witchcraft, which we could kind of equate with what Saul said, or what Samuel said to Saul, that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, if there is anything that we need to do is we need to constantly war against the flesh and we need to let the Holy Spirit take control. When He takes control, I want you to know that the battle against the flesh is a battle that you can overcome and you can win. I can remember as a teenager saying to my parents, saying to my, you know, anybody who would ask, I can't do it. I can't live for Jesus all by myself. And they would say, you are absolutely right. You can't. But you've got to let the Holy Spirit work in your life so that you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you are going to live a life that is right before the Lord. And let me tell you something, young people who are here today, you can live it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't give in to the lie that says you've got to just obey what the desires of your flesh are, and the world is playing into that idea. It's just saying, go ahead, you know. They're going to do stuff anyway, so you might as well just, you know, 
Let's make them safe. Let's do all of those things. You know what, brothers and sisters? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus said, come out from among the world and be separate. We need to come out from among the world and be separate. The Bible lets us know that we are to live a clean life, a holy life, a pure life. And that is possible as we give ourselves to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. If we're led by the Spirit, we will not give in to the sinful nature. Somebody once said this. They said, you know, I, I feel like I have two dogs fighting inside of me. One guy said, well, you know, which one wins? And he said, well, it's the dog that I feed the most. And, and the bottom line is... That's the one that's going to have the strength. That's the one. It, listen, you can, you can ignore your Bible, but the more you ignore the Bible and prayer, the more powerless you will become and the more powerful your flesh will become. The more powerful the sinful desires of the sinful nature will become if you ignore the Word of God and you ignore prayer that I want you to know, brothers and sisters, you will not live according to the Spirit. You'll live according to the flesh. Begin to feed the Spirit. Do not, don't hold back from that. Don't say, well, I don't have time. Yes, you have time. You have time to text everybody. You got time to do that. You live on Facebook. Get off Facebook for five minutes and get into the presence of the Lord and say, God, I've got to have you. I've got to have more of you. That one was free. I didn't, that wasn't in my notes. The question is, who are you submitting to? We have to be careful that we don't fall prey to the deceptiveness of the sinful nature. The enemy often deceives us by simply getting us to focus on our own desires, to focus on self. Now, listen, it's not that certain desires are wrong. It's just in the certain setting, they could be wrong. They could be out of where they need to be. But the focus is, has got to be on the Lord, not on self. You see, we can get into an area of, as Paul writes in Galatians, he says, selfish ambition. That there is this idea of getting ahead. I've got to get ahead. And I don't care who I step on to do it. That's the kind of world we live in. In the business world, it is cutthroat. It is you step on anybody you can to get to where you need to be. You use anybody that you can to get to where you need to be. And who cares what happens? Brothers and sisters, we've got to submit to the Holy Spirit. We've got to submit to Him. And say, Lord, you be in control. You be in charge of my life. You allow, I'm going to allow you to be in charge of everything that I do, everything that I say, and whatever it is that I do with my body. Lord willing, next week I'm going to preach a message that I have been wrestling with and wrestling over about look before you leap. And this has to do especially with relationships. Uh, and, and I believe that many times in our relationships, we, we don't give those relationships to the Lord for the Lord to say, Lord, you, you use this. And if this isn't you, then you need, to, you need to just wipe it away. Get rid of it. Getting ahead of myself. That's Lord willing next week. But brothers and sisters, we cannot allow the deception of the flesh. This is a battle that you are in on a daily basis. You know, we, the Spirit will war and He will fight 
as long as you allow him to, as long as you are dependent upon him. And I want you to know that you will be an overcomer. What did Paul write to the the Romans? He said, you are more than conquerors. You do not have to give in to the flesh. You do not have to sin. You do not have to give in to those things. Pastor, I don't have to sin, but we sin all the time. Yes, we do, but you don't have to. There's a difference. Sometimes we just, well, I can't help myself. No, you can't help yourself, but the Holy Spirit can help you. Who are you listening to? Who are you submitting to? Who are you depending on? Well, I'm depending on me. Then you're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to fail every time. You're not going to live the way that God wants you to live. The only way that we can do it is under the power of the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, if it's been a while since you've had a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, isn't it time for us to say, God, come and fill my life once again? I don't know what the world is. The world is just throwing all kinds of things at you. I say, well, pastor, is this for young people? Because I'm a grown-up. Oh, no, 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 this is for everybody. Because in many ways, grown-ups get into situations. You know what? We don't, we don't, we don't quite go, go off the deep end, but, you know, there's this thing called compromise. And compromise is one of those self-preservation techniques of the flesh. It is to preserve yourself in the face and in the light of the pervading, worldly, fleshly kind of attitude that's always, always swirling around us. Brothers and sisters, can I encourage you, where you are on your jobs, in your neighborhoods, in your apartment buildings, wherever it is that you are, wherever it is that you move on a daily basis, do not allow the spirit of compromise to come into your heart but instead war against the flesh. Fight that battle against the flesh. Let the Holy Spirit take control over the desires of your heart and over your flesh. You can win the battle with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can overcome. The dangerous point of allowing the flesh to overcome and to be in control is that eventually it will come to the surface in your life. It will play out. We look back on the 80s and the 90s, and some of you weren't even born yet, but I remember, I remember standing and being in Bible college uh, when the whole thing with PTL happened, when Jim Baker, who is... He's out of prison. The Lord brought him out. The, the judge did, in fact, give him a, a probably a ridiculous sentence. But he's back out. He is serving the Lord, but he is he has had a change of heart. He is he is he came to terms with the way that he had done things at PTL, that it wasn't right. He would be the first to say that. The Lord has humbled him and he has accepted that that humbling. And the Lord's using him once again and using him in front of the television camera. That was where his ministry was and that's where it has been brought back to, but in a different, a very much different way. But I remember seeing that happen and thinking, oh my God, that happened to somebody that everybody thought was just, you know, up there. And then a little while later, it happened to, to Swaggart, Jimmy Swaggart, who was, in my mind, one of the great evangelists of our time. And it... And, Again, he's, he's 
he has followed the Lord. The Lord humbled him. And now his ministry is being used once again. But you know, you look at all of that. And I remember thinking after I saw that take place with Jimmy Swaggart, I remember being a senior in Bible college. I remember thinking to myself, if, if that happens to them, how in the world can I make it? And it's almost as if the Holy Spirit spoke in that moment and brought me to the psalmist when the psalm, psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. You know, the bottom line is, I am not supposed to, and you are not supposed to, look at anybody else for how it is that we are to live our, our Christian life. We are to look to the Word and look to Jesus and say, Lord, you let my life be a light and let me be a follower of Jesus. Too much in the church, we have been followers of men. We have been followers of personalities. We have elevated people to a point where we could not function as believers in and of ourselves. And brothers and sisters, I want to let you know, the Bible doesn't ever tell you to elevate and to fix your eyes on Paul. It doesn't ever tell you to fix your eyes on Peter. It tells you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You've got to know that the Holy Spirit wants to control your desires and He will help you to live a life that is above the world. But we've got to let the Holy Spirit control our desires as it relates to our desire to do the Lord's work. Do the Lord's work. Go over to uh, the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to read verses 6 and 7. Let the Holy Spirit control your life and your desires as it relates to His work. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word, in the province of Asia. Did you notice that? Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Amazing thing. The desire that they had certainly was honorable to preach the word in Asia, to preach the word in Bithynia. And it was a good desire. It was something good. It was something right. There was nothing wrong with it. But if the Spirit of God doesn't want you to do it, you've got to step back from that desire. If there is a check in your spirit about something that maybe it is that you're doing, that maybe it is that you want to do, and, and that check is there, then maybe you've got to step back and say, okay, Lord, what is your plan? You know, a lot of times in Christianity and in the church, we make a plan, and we've got this thing that is just so drilled into our minds. We've thought about it. We've, we've, you know, we've discussed it. We've planned for it. And what we've done is we've taken our plan. And we've held it up to God and we've said, okay, God, bless it. 
And you know what I think God wants us to do is from time to time, I think he wants to empty us to just take our hands and empty ourselves of our own plans, open up an empty hand and say, Lord, what is your plan for me? What do you want me to do? There was nothing wrong with what Paul wanted to do. Paul wanted to preach the gospel wherever he could. There was absolutely nothing wrong with that desire. The desire that he had to preach the gospel in that part of the world where there was no gospel was certainly honorable and it was right. And had they gone in, would there have been results? Probably. Would there have been difficulties? Probably. If there had been results, why would it have been so bad? Why would it have been a problem? Because it wasn't God's plan. It was their plan. And you know what they did? They didn't charge ahead. When they sensed the Holy Spirit stopping them from doing something, they stepped back and said, well, the Holy Spirit has a different plan. He's got something else in store, so let me do what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. I'm not going to charge ahead with my desires when maybe God wants something else because maybe God has something else in store in another place, in another time, and we've got to be obedient. Remember, we're not everywhere present. It's only God who is. And God's got the plan worked out. He knew how the gospel was going to get to Asia. He knew how the gospel was going to get to Bithynia. But his plan was not for Paul to be the one to do it at that time. Paul had to listen to what God had to say in spite of his own desires. It was their plan. It wasn't, it, it, it isn't what is good that matters. It's what, that's, uh, it's what is best that matters. We've got to say, Lord, what is best? Not what is good. What is best? What do you want for my life? Sometimes we operate in the area of our, ch of our church ministries and the things that we do. We operate in the area of our own interests. There's nothing wrong with that in our own desires. But it could be that God wants you to step outside of that a little bit. Maybe not ignoring those things, but to step outside of the comfort zone just a, a little smidge. And to just say, let me step into this area because I sense the Holy Spirit moving me that way. Listen, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you to do it, then i got to tell you, you will be able to do it. He will give you the power and the ability to be able to do it. I'm not going to repeat the, the, uh, the illustration I gave a little while ago. I already said this, I already talked about, but when it was time for me to step into the area of leading worship, I'm not musical, I can't play a note. On the, on the piano. I know what the notes are. I know what, what the keys are. But I can't, I can't sit down and play like Caleb can. I can't sit down and do any of that. But, but when it came time for me to do that, I had to say, Lord, I've, I've got to submit to your desire and to your plan and to your will. And brothers and sisters, it's the same way in every aspect of our lives. We've got to have an open desire to what God's desires for us is. Rather than saying, let me just charge ahead with what's comfortable, what's easy, and what's good for me. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's not helpful. You may have results. It may be a good thing. But I want you to know that in the end, maybe God has something different in store for you. So, we've got to let the Holy Spirit be in control of our desires. There's another thing that we've got to let the Holy Spirit rule over. And it's our decisions. Our decisions. Stay in the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 10. 
Acts chapter 10. We're not going to take the time to read this entire story, uh, to read this whole thing of what took place in Acts chapter 10, but this is, just to give you a little bit of background, this is the story of Peter being at a man's house by the name of Simon, who was a tanner of leather and and all kinds of things, and uh, he was there, he was staying at Simon's house, uh, and it was, in Acts chapter 10, it was this place where, at the same time, in Caesarea, God was dealing with a a Roman centurion uh, by the name of Cornelius, who loved the Lord. And he was, you know, you've got to remember this was before the whole concept of the gospel going to the Gentiles had entered the church. Still, this was a localized Jewish church. And the idea of it going to the Gentile world still had not come to them in this this whole concept of, you know, if the Gentiles, it, they, they were used to, if a Gentile wanted to become or come into the Jewish faith, they had, to, they had to fulfill the law. They had to do all the things of the law. And now Peter is up on the roof and he's praying. And he's calling upon God and he's, he's just praying. And all of a sudden, he sees this sheet come down from heaven and it's full of all kinds of unclean animals. Animals that, according to the Jewish law, according to the law of Moses, nobody ate. Nobody in uh, in Judaism, no Jewish person would ever eat any of these animals. All of a sudden, he heard a voice, kill and eat, Peter. (laughs) He says, oh, no, 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 Lord, I can't do that. These are unclean. And the voice says, what I've declared clean, don't call unclean. God was getting ready to do something new, and he was now shaping Peter's decision-making process by showing him that the gospel exceeds all the barriers, that the law has been fulfilled. They no longer have to fulfill the law because it's already been fulfilled in Christ. No human being could ever keep the whole law. They couldn't do it. But the Bible lets us know in this situation, now God was beginning to shape Peter's decision-making because on his way, or on their way to that house were two men to go and to get Peter to bring him to a Gentile household to preach the gospel and to declare the word of the Lord. I want you to see this. The Bible says this, and let's start at verse 9. Just going to read down a little ways into verse 15. The Bible says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey, these two men coming from Cornelius' house, these were Gentiles, they were approaching the city. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens opened, and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of uh, four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Verse 16. 
says this happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back up into heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate and pressed the button and all of a sudden the doorbell rang. No, it doesn't say that in the text. All of a sudden these men show up and Peter has had this vision. God is now working in Peter's mind and in his heart to change his decision-making process to be more of heaven rather than earthly decision-making ideas. God was about to change the whole situation. And I want you to know that Peter's decision-making was at first ruled by prejudice and by tradition. But the Spirit of God showed Peter that his decision-making had to be ruled by what God wanted rather than by what Peter saw as being right in his own eyes. You see, God had changed things at that point. When the law had been fulfilled in Christ, no longer did the believers have to worry about every little aspect of the law, but instead now the gospel was free. And it was free to go to the Gentile world who knew nothing of the law of Moses, who knew nothing about all of these regulations about what you eat and what you don't eat. But instead, they had open hearts. Cornelius is saying, we got to hear the gospel. And let's go get, I've heard about Peter. Go get Peter. Go find him and bring him to the household. And the end of the story, we don't have time to read it, but the end of it was that there was a successful mission by Peter as he went to the house of Cornelius, the Bible says that while he was still preaching, the Holy Spirit descended upon those believers in that room, those people in that room, and at that moment conversions happened and the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon them in such a way that they, the Bible says, they began to speak in other tongues. All of a sudden now, the Holy Spirit was being poured out upon the Gentile world. You see, when you follow the decision-making process of God and of the Spirit, first of all, it will be successful, but then it will also be controversial. You see, anytime you follow the Holy Spirit, there will always be naysayers. There will always be those who will look and say, that's not quite right. I don't think that should happen that way. And that's exactly what happened. All of a sudden, Peter gets back from Cornelius' house. You can read this later on. You just read through the book of Acts. Just go ahead. It'll be great. Not now, but do it later. And as they get back to, from Cornelius' house, all of a sudden, Peter comes under fire. What were you doing in a, in, a, in a Gentile's home? Eating with them, no less. Peter says, I, you know, all I can tell you is what took place. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the Gentiles as well as to us Jews. The gospel has come to the Gentile world. Now, Paul is going to be later on in the book of Acts and, and in his epistles, he's going to be a champion of the Gentile world of preaching the gospel. But Peter was the one who opened up the kingdom of heaven to those who were outside of the household of Israel. But now they found hope in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when you let the Holy Spirit rule your decisions, God can take you places and God can use you for His glory and do things in and through your life. We have the example of Peter. But we also have the example of Paul. Go to Acts chapter 16. I'm just going to stay in the book of Acts and go to verse 6 of Acts chapter 16, and we're going to read down through to verse 12. 
Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. And this We already read 6 and 7, but we're going to now go down through to verse 12. Because we have already discussed and already talked about the fact that Paul had a desire to do something for God in these parts of the world, and the Holy Spirit kept him from doing it. So as you have, to, as you have a desire, you've got to let the decision-making process rule your desires of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Bible says, starting in verse 6 again. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for uh, Samothrace, And the next day, on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. You see, Paul had a desire to go one way. The Holy Spirit had to change his desire and change the decision-making process to go somewhere else. And so God allows this vision to happen in the night of a man calling from Macedonia. And immediately Paul knew this is the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to that place. Brothers and sisters, when God is calling you to do something For him, you need to know that you've got to be willing to set aside your desire and decide to do what God wants you to do. You cannot say, I'm going to just, I'm going to charge ahead. This is the right thing. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. But instead, let the Holy Spirit rule your decision-making process. They didn't barge into that territory of the world, but instead let the Holy Spirit cause a, a, a change in their decision-making process. It doesn't mean it's going to be smooth. Oh, we're going to follow the Lord. You know what? Everything is going to be wonderful and fall into place. Did I not say this just recently? That kind of theology is just bad theology. Oh, things fell into place all right. As soon as they get into the city of Macedonia, or the city of Philippi, that city, the leading city of Macedonia, what happened to Paul and Silas? Thrown into prison. Oh, it's all going to fall into place. Yeah, those stocks fell into place. Right around their wrists and right around their ankles. They were preaching the gospel and now they're sitting in the middle of a Philippian jail. But they didn't get discouraged. They began to sing. They began to praise God. And all of a sudden, there was a breakthrough that took place. As they praised, as they worshiped, as God came into that place and shook that jail open, loosened those stocks from their hands and feet, threw open the doors, and now all of a sudden, now they are able to preach the gospel to the jailer and his whole household, and the whole household gets saved. I want you to know God has a plan in store. We, we, there may be good things 
that we can do. But in the end, we've got to follow God and say, God, you rule my decision-making process. Whether it's about what I'm doing for you or even as I go through life. Some of you, younger people, you're finding out what it is that you want to do in life and your careers and what it is that you might have in the back of your mind you want to do. You know what? Here's a revolutionary idea. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Say, well, Pastor, clearly you're headed in the direction of, you know, God maybe wants me to be in ministry. Well, what if he does? Then do it. But if he doesn't, listen to the voice of the Lord and what it is that God wants you to do. You know what? God needs good doctors. He needs good lawyers. He needs good computer operators. He needs people in business who are in the forefront. Listen, it's not, you know what? You will touch people that I will never preach to. I want to tell you, throughout this, the course and the history of this church, I have heard testimony after testimony of people on their jobs witnessing to people, witnessing to business associates, witnessing to, to business partners and people who are out there in the world I could never preach to those people ever you're the one who does it so God needs you to just simply say Lord let me be ruled by your Holy Spirit in my decision making process brothers and sisters we need the Holy Spirit more than ever before more in our lives we need the power and the spirit of God to rule in our lives in our individual lives but also in the this body this local assembly we need the holy spirit to come upon us in a mighty way not so that we can walk out and say ooh i felt goosebumps well, who cares the world doesn't care that you felt goosebumps. The world wants to know that there's something on the inside of you that is genuine, that is powerful, and that can change their lives. The world doesn't care that you had a good service. The world doesn't really, is not really interested in how loud the pastor preached. They're not interested in how great the music might have been. They are interested in finding out, is there something to fill the emptiness of my soul? Is there something to fill the void that is always on the inside of me? Is there something that can do that? Listen, every now and then, it, I, 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 I'm not going to say where I saw it, but every now and then, what we need to do is we need to put down our smartphones and look people in the face. Oh, pastor, really? Wait, I got to check. No, you don't have to check anything. Look somebody in the eye. Smile at them. Ask them how they're doing today. It's an amazing thing. We ignore people. So we just... Hmm, here comes somebody. Let me pretend I'm texting. You know what, folks? If we're going to let the Holy Spirit work in us and through us, He can only do it on a relational level. It can only happen as we put down the distractions. And begin to understand that who is coming was made in the image of the Creator. That who's walking down the street is somebody, they may not want to engage you. They're probably pretending to text too. But give them a look. Give them a smile. And let them know that there is somebody in the world who is going to be controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who they, That person doesn't know that God has a plan for their lives. So it's going to be up to us to make sure that they know that God has a plan in store for them. Can we stand to our feet right now?